We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. Okay, here we are. Welcome to the Pragmatic Duels podcast. Podcast where we, where we social distance and talk really far away and not in stereo. Yeah. And some of us are on AM radio. Multi voice. Got. Yeah. Who that's, are that's, you? Who are you? I'm Suzanne. I'm Kim. I'm Steph. I think you guys have figured it out, though. I don't know. We sound sure. last week. Last week I sounded super different. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Kim sounded like a dude. Yeah. Why? I don't know. The, I'm drinking. It, I don't know. It's all that testosterone. <laughs> oh, taking that extra testosterone, qu- quarantine testosterone, just to bulk up a bit, deepen your voice, you know. I thought it was the cookies yeah. that were bulking me up, not steroids. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. Um, so how's everybody doing? Pretty good, actually. Today I woke up in a good mood. A full-on good mood. How'd you do that? I don't know. Like just nothing happened? untoward happened. Uh, I just literally woke up and was a little excited to get on the phone with you guys. You know, Kim posted something yesterday saying, let us know in a GIF what your state of mind is. And as soon as she asked, all I could think of was getting on the podcast with you guys today. And I found the perfect GIF. I think it was three potatoes walking towards the camera with sunglasses on. And I don't know why it made me laugh and I couldn't stop laughing. I kept going back and looking at it. So I had Mm -hmm. to post that. Yeah. I didn't see that. I haven't been on. I found a new game on my phone that I've been obsessed with over the last 24 hours. So don't worry. It doesn't last with me. I'm not, I'm not, like you, you've been playing like word cookie for years. I can't do yep. that. I will obsessively play something for three days and then I'm like, okay, that's enough. And, and then I'm done with it. I binge and then I, then I hate it. So that's my habit. So that's what I've been doing the last, so I haven't been on Facebook really to see what's been going on. Yeah. It's too busy like building a garden because that's the game. You're building your garden? It, it's a. It's not like a far. It's not farming. It's garden renovation. It's a garden renovation game. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, with elements of Candy Crush, so it's perfect. This might be the one that captures me that I never ever put down. I mean, I did stay up till two a.m. playing it last night. So. <laughs> Thank God. I know it's very. It's very sad. That's what I've been reduced to. Um, I didn't even crochet at all yesterday because of that game. Step away, step away. Yeah, I know. Well, we all have our things. Kim, don't you have like, um, what's it called? What game? Sweet Valley High or what? <laughs> what's the game you're playing? Stardew Valley? <laughs> no, Sweet Valley High. <laughs> Star Valley? Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. It sounds beautiful. Is it like building a village or something? 
Uh, your, it's start, the story that starts it off is your grandfather dies and leaves you his farm in Stardew Valley and you got to go and basically start this farm and you grow things oh at certain times of the year to get, to make money and stuff like that. And you have to, the only, <clears throat> so this is who I am. The, the one, um, element that was very frustrating to me is you have to make friends with these people that are in the village and you have to, you know, give them things and, and whatnot to increase your hearts and all that stuff. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do, I just want to grow my potatoes. What the hell? And then at some point you're supposed to marry one of them. You're supposed to like be, you have to. Okay. Well, that's I mean, I'm not, I have the ability to, but I have not. Um, and the, the whole idea of, of it is irritating to me. So <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to get married in real life. I certainly don't want to, I don't want a boyfriend in <laughs> or a girlfriend in, uh, in, in, in my fake life. I certainly don't want one in my real life. So that whole aspect yeah. of it can go to hell. Where do you play it? Uh, it's on, 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 I have it on the, the kids got it on the Wii Switch. So, but I, I think so Will plays it on his computer, but I think it costs money. So, oh. yeah, it's not free. It sounds, it sounds perfect, but the one that I'm doing is that like a great aunt left you her whole property and it's a big old Victorian house that's broken down and all the gardens are all dilapidated. And so you have to work to fix everything up. But the, 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 what you have to do in order to uh, earn the energy to, you know, make a new gazebo is like play a little game that's very similar to Ken Crush. So that's how you get your energy to do the things. So it's perfect. I get a little bit of Candy Crush feel plus gardening plus bright colors. And uh, yeah, I love it. I love it for now. Don't ask me two days. <laughs> I might not. Yeah. That's what I've been doing this last couple of days is no, just this last one day is playing uh playing games obsessively on my phone. Yeah. Cool. I'm I wonder that I can even see. I'm I'm my eyes are so fucked up from looking at my phone late into the night. It's a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. So how's everybody out there in podcast land? What are you guys up to what are you doing i wonder i bet they're doing a whole lot of what we're doing is just trying to figure it out i always picture people being more regimented than me and just like yeah in the beginning i was like doing my power hour remember and still committed to hp health priority now it's all fucking going to hell everything's gone to hell i'm not regimented in any shape or form i wasn't six weeks ago and I'm definitely not now I was trying six weeks ago I was trying now I'm not trying I wake up in the morning and I'm like I rolled out of bed at nine today which is me too I never do that but why am I getting up at six no like, it just makes the day longer and more boring <laughs> how many doorknobs can I wipe down in one day <laughs> Sometimes I leave things like I had three loads of laundry to do. I spread it out over the week. So I did one load one day, one load the next day, one load the other day. 
Cause then I'll do like all this, be really productive one day. And then the next day, blah. So, uh, my daughter is, feels like she's on holidays now cause she's just finished her last exam. So she's like, yes, now I'm going to quarantine in earnest. She broke out the puzzles and lined up her murder podcast. So that's what she's doing. Like right this minute on the dining table, doing puzzles and listening to murder podcasts. This is what I, that's her agenda for the next until. Totally reasonable. Yeah. I've had a bit of a change in my uh, HP corner. Uh-huh. I had a friend um, message me and say, hey, do you want to hop on this um, movement challenge? It's 100 days of movement. And so I'm not thinking too much about it, right? 100 days of movement. I can move for 100 days. I didn't realize I got on it. And everyone, it, so it's also just to be it, somebody from my old neighborhood and who is a trainer. She actually uh, runs a business of other trainers. And um, everyone just wanted to kind of figure out how they can support local. So she started an online group of, for fitness and movement during quarantine and uh, of 100 days of movement. I'm like, okay, great. I'm, that's something I'm willing to put 25 bucks towards, be part of the group. Everyone's kind of encouraging each other along. It's a lot of familiar people to me from my mm -hmm. old neighborhood. Um, and then I get the, the list of movement to do. <laughs> it starts with 100 jumping jacks. I'm like, there are not enough panty liners in the world for me to do 100 jumping jacks in a row. And that was just the first exercise in the list. I'm like, fuck me. Um, but well, I have done I it. would instantly be out. Like, <laughs> I mean, so first off, I wouldn't even have done that because let's be real. I was thinking this morning about you going you know yeah Steph does all these challenges and blah 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 and I'm like no no <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be up for a challenge that did like you know 10 squats a day challenge <laughs> for 30 days I could do that but that yeah movement challenge sounds doable but the that kind of move like move as in you know do 2,000 steps a day on your Fitbit or whatever but that sounds excessive. Like, who can keep that up for 100 days? Jumping jacks and mountain That's climbers. the first day. You know it's going to get worse as time goes on. What the fuck? That's the first 10 days. For it. No. You did just now, all that said, I think she knows, especially in our neighborhood and this particular group of people, that we are all post-40. So she did give us the options. Like, there's, she said 100 jumping jacks, but then there was the option of, how to do the low impact, which is basically the stepping side to side with your arms up in the air, right? Like doing a starfish. Okay. Um, so she did do the low, offer us the low impact version of all the exercises. I was like, hallelujah, I'm going to whiz down my leg if I try to do. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, can't do a hundred jumping jacks or my, you know, uterus is going to fall out. <laughs> <laughs> we need um, some sort of a scent so up there to support it. So, so can I, we all meet together online. Yeah, so you can meet with little groups in the group. You can um, follow a video of it. You can you can kind of do it all your own way, and then you just at the end of the day, not at the end of the day, at the end of your workout, you mark that you've done it. And they encouraged everybody to kind of have a buddy in the group to do it with. So I have a buddy in the group that uh, pokes me and says, "Hey, you got your sports bra on? Did you put that bra on? Are you to jump around in?" And uh, so that helps too. And it's somebody I actually like. So that's important. I would sit there and go like, fuck off. I, 
Yeah. No, I, I know you do these challenges all the time and that's, that's like your thing. And I know in the past you've asked, Hey, you want to be part of this, blah, 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 and 50 bucks. And then you weigh in and no, no, (laughs) just no. I, I, I don't do well because a, I would be dead last. Like I just know, you know, lose 10 pounds in this number of times and you get, you know, half the pot and blah, blah, blah. No, even the money isn't worth it to me. I would gain the pounds everybody lost. There has to be balance, right? So y'all lose weight and I actually find it. The pounds don't disappear. <laughs> they actually show up at my house. What I do is you take your weight and you bring them all, bring it all over to my house yeah. and push right onto my ass. That's what yeah. you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm all there for that. That, that, that would be me because a, I don't like failing, which is this whole pandemic shit I have I am failing miserably. Honest to God, if I don't have diabetes when all this is over, it won't be from a lack of trying. And we it's, will be there for you, Kim. I'm failing through succeeding. I'm failing through succeeding. So I'm failing at my health goals, but fuck, I'm a good baker. I'm an <laughs> extremely good baker, let's just say. How many cookies? I think I made like 48 cookies. I think there's seven left. I made them yesterday. Me too. I made cookies yesterday. I made, a, I, I doubled the recipe. So there's so many and I sent some over to my grandkids and they're still a pile and no one now you keep drifting into the kitchen and eating them. So, so they're pretty good. I gotta say. Yep. Hey, Steph, you want to tell about what our, our homework that we've been doing? Yeah. I think that's cool. And we've, we've gone through one round, so it might be a night. It might be give other people an idea. Well, we were trying to figure out a non-COVID, non-bummer kind of topic um, that would engage like, some great questions. And then I thought, well, the question is the question. What are people asking these days? So the challenge, the challenge was to go find a couple questions that really piqued your interest that doulas are asking right now, frequently asked questions in our fellow doula groups. Um, mm-hmm then bring back some interesting answers that were offered up as well as I guess our own answers. Mm. Oh, we were supposed to bring answers that other people gave? Oops. If they interested you. No, I didn't. I didn't do that part. I just, I didn't even actually pick specific questions. I chose like a general category of questions that I see people asking all the time. So I see. Yeah. Yeah. Mine are basically categorical as well. But I also wanted to find out the answers that I didn't know the answer to. So I went looking to see what other people were saying. And we have a birth story today. Oh, good. Oh, we do. I got permission to use it. So I'm very, very excited. Cool. All right. So who wants to start with their FAQ? One of you guys can start because I'm I'm plucking chin hairs. So I need to lean forward. I'm sorry. What are you doing? Plucking Are you plucking hairs. your chin hairs? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> very satisfying pastime, I gotta tell you. I couldn't let them sprout. Like, what the hell? Who cares? But it's entertainment. So <laughs> this is ahead. real life, folks. This is real life. We're not putting prettying it up for you. No, no, we're not, not. at I all. Sweater on. I have a nice, colorful sweater. Just because I know that you guys are looking at me. But you're I not wearing a bra. A, couldn't find a bra. I could not. <laughs> and I still have my pajamas on. 
my pajamas you, short. You please. leaned back earlier, <laughs> and the picture, <laughs> the picture froze. <laughs> it was the scariest thing I've ever seen. Well, you was going to take a picture of it, guys, and I thought that was bad. You guys missed this wonderful visual that we have going on all the time. Uh, all right, uh, I'll start. I have a question. There was there was a question. It was posted yesterday, maybe, or the day before by somebody in what group? I have no idea. Um, says, hey, everybody, after giving birth, a woman is supposed to, or birthing person, is supposed to get proper rest and nutrition so that their body and spirit may heal. For birth parents who have had births by cesareans, what have you been taught is the proper time and way to start exercising? That's a great question because I actually don't know the answer to that. Mm. The guidelines I was given for myself during after my cesarean, um, both from my physiotherapist and from my physician, was six weeks or at discretion, but that I should be um, moving my body, even if it's just to start off, just to the bathroom and back. Like, mm -hmm. find a spot on whatever floor you're going to choose to be on and make sure that you get yourself moving enough to do regular bathroom trips. And that that was important because of blood clotting. But really, that goes for anybody, just a little bit more so after surgery. Yeah. Um, food wise, uh, they did recommend a little more strongly for um, nurturing the body afterwards is to be much more conscious of um, post-surgical backup because of all the drugs that are kind of thrown into your system. And sometimes you are on some sort of a narcotic afterwards, which bungs you up like you ate a block of cheese. So you want to not eat a block of cheese and you do want to eat things that are high in fiber, high in fat um, and easily processed proteins. But um, movement wise, Everybody is different. Everyone folk, um, develops blood or uh, scar tissue differently. So you want to be mindful most often of your comfort and not of any timeline. Yes. Also, um, everybody starts out. Start, pardon me? I, also, everybody enters um, having a cesarean section at a different fitness and health level too. So it would be really hard to prescribe one thing for everybody outside of like just general uh, surgery guidelines like avoiding blood clotting and so on making sure you're moving your arms and your legs walking a little bit slowly every single day but what about in terms of like working out I know a lot of people wonder about that when can I start working out again I was able to get out for what I would call a speedy walk at about six weeks. But um, with the, the kiddo, Rebo or like not Rebozo, but uh, I had my Maya wrap and had her strapped up high on my chest so it wasn't putting any pressure down on my, down on my abdomen. So I could get out for, I wouldn't say like a full on power walk, like you know, some people are just like zooming along, but I could get mm -hmm. out with some speed without it causing a lot of really aggressive pulling yeah. um, at around between, between six and eight weeks. Because I remember just, I do remember being, looking forward to that six-week mark that was seemed to be so magical. I knew before then I couldn't um, do anything with G-force. So nothing like, like driving and everything that would could cause worsening of the scar tissue as the organs move over each other. 
because mm -hmm. um, you have your internal scarring and you have your external scarring that often join together in the middle around your organs. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and it would pull it and tear it, which then cr creates more scar tissue because then it tries to heal it. But, yeah. uh, but I do remember it was just after six weeks when I decided to see if I could pick up some speed. And besides being sore and like my body hurting just from not being moving a lot, I remember that I could do it. I could get it out and, and pick up some speed. So long as Abby was really up high. Um, yeah. It, it, I definitely noticed that, you know, those carriers that are structured. Um, yes. Like even I had uh, an ergo at the time yeah. that was more structured and it, but it, it sat too low and if I tried to walk wearing that, oh my God, the pressure on my internal organs pushing down towards the scar tissue, not good. But the flexibility to have her super high in the Maya wrap was made it doable. Yeah. Or, you know, people do use strollers. So, yep. Um, actually, one of the problems that we were reminded of with strollers is that it was safer to hold your baby after cesarean than it was to use a stroller because if you tried to if the stroller hit a bump it's like you were hitting a bump if if you had to suddenly stop you had the g-force of the stroller going forward um and you didn't realize that you engage your core for things such as turning and stuff that create more soreness so the recommendation actually at uh, up to six weeks again was not to use a stroller oh wow it, yeah thought of that um, just simply or have someone else push the stroller like if you're out for a walk with your partner or something have someone yeah. else push it and that was from my physiotherapist like from a working the core but no sudden movements to the core type thing makes sense I never would have thought of that at all yeah it's having you know what it made I was really thankful I had a physiotherapist from beforehand that was helping with me with something else um, and it was her who was like, so we, we got to talk about this recovery. And it never even occurred to me back then to talk to someone who was a physiotherapist about surgical recovery from my uterus. But really, it's abdominal surgery. It impacts everything about you, whether it's a cesarean or any other abdominal surgery. For you to put something together for people who don't have access to physiotherapy to uh, so that they can, because that's not, it's not, I think people just sort of take things for granted, but there might be stuff that the hospital doesn't tell you like that, right? The hospital gives you like really general guidelines, but if there are specific things or amendments that people can make for their individual circumstances, it might be good. So there you go. There's a job for you, Stephanie, while you're in quarantine. Create a PDF for, for post-presentation. I find a lot of hospitals, a lot of places don't talk to people about, I'm sure they have like a long checklist of shit they got to get to you. Um, and so much of it really is about the baby and care of the baby afterwards. But referred pain is so common after cesarean, like sharp shooting pains through the chest and the upper body and the shoulders. Um, it's not just after cesarean, after any open abdominal surgery or open chest surgery, referred pain that shoots across your chest, shoots across your upper back is can be really debilitating and it's common and it's not talked about often enough. So people think that they, it's just because they have poor posture or something and they're spasming, but it's not, it's referred pain because they blow up the insides of you 
yeah. with air and that air gets pushed out into the musculature and the musculature retracts um, and it fucking hurts. My uh, sister just had open chest surgery and uh, Rachel, not Carrie, and um, she went home and she's, she, she was talking to me and she's like, I cannot get rid of this pain in my neck. I need to see my chiropractor. I need to see this. And I said, well, you know, they just cracked your chest open and they blew you up. Like you got referred pain. So she called the hospital to ask about it. And the first person she talked to said it's not a real thing. The second person they talked to forwarded her to um, physiotherapy to talk about the referred pain. And they said it's con Then when she spoke to the physiotherapy people there, post-surgical physiotherapy people there, they said that it is common and that really there's nothing that the physiotherapists themselves could recommend that release it other than heat, medication, and and a little bit of upper body movement, but it has to work itself out. Yes, I remember when I had um, tubal ligation, really simple, straightforward surgery. It was done laparoscopically. I never know how to say that word, right? But I, but they did. They put they pump you up full of air, and oh my god, I had no pain from the actual surgery itself oh but what i but it sounds like what you're talking about this referred pain my shoulders and my upper back i i had to take pain medication and drink lots of hot fluids i always constantly felt like i needed to stretch my shoulders and my arms to try to get rid of it and it was about a day and a half two days day and a half or two days before it finally went away it was horrible and not something that I would have ever um, imagined that you would feel after that kind of surgery. It's real. It's real shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have they to put that into that one pager. They did tell me that. They did warn me about it, though. And they did say gas. They did say it was gas moving its way. And, and it, it did feel like that, like intense gas pains. Strange. Can you have gas in your shoulders? Well, yeah, you can. That's what it feels like, right? So. Yeah, just like when it seizes up your bowels because it's extended too much. Same thing's happening in your the muscles of your shoulders. Yeah, just like the other day when you said you're cold in your eye. Yeah, <laughs> shoulders a cold in your eye. Yes, same thing. Yeah, well, there you go. I didn't know that that was a that that was going to bring as much joy to you as it did. <laughs> it sounds very Jamaican. Jamaican people always talk about they have a cold in their knee or a cold in their foot or something, <laughs> meaning that there's just some kind of pain there. Yeah. So, Fascinating. Inexplicable pain there. Oh, okay. Well, that was a nice, that was a good question choice. That was a good question. Yes. I've got a non-birth related one here which I thought is great because sometimes we got to talk about birthy stuff and doula stuff. This is a, a, what do you call it? A business thing. So someone was asking someone who is new a newer doula wanted to know what website platform is most user friendly when you're developing it. Um, the most commonly used we know are uh, Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, WordPress, yeah, but it seemed like I went after I got this question, I got really curious and I started looking around where they've asked this in different groups. Um, and it seems like Square, 
Squarespace seems to be the winner. So ease of SEO presence. I know uh, Wix got some bad publicity a couple years ago for their SEO failure, but that they had corrected it. But on Squarespace, for anyone who's looking to change things up while they're at home right now, it has ease of use. It has a scheduling app for yourself. Um, and it takes payments from your clients online all in one platform. So you don't have to add in other plugins and stuff like that. It's already part of the platform, which I thought was pretty interesting. It can all be done from one spot. That All that said, there's all those external ones. I did find on one website they were talking about a doula-led brand platform called Birthing Your Brand. And it is somebody who has created a platform just for birth workers. I haven't seen one yet, though. I went to their website, their Facebook page, if anyone wants to check it out. Um, that's called Birthing Your Brand. And it's, uh, it was doula-led, doula-created with, um, with a website developer um, as the platform. I thought that was a awesome. We're not endorsing anything. We're not getting paid <laughs> by anybody. We're not promoting any of this stuff, okay? No. So don't it's come just, back to us if the shit hits the fan. Go out there and do your own research. Do your own research. Lots of, lots of leads. I have nothing to contribute to that because I don't know. I'm the worst. I have a website and it's been just sitting there. I'm sure it's all dusty and outdated. I don't even know. <laughs> I had a client once tell us we were we were originally using webs because at the time it was actually fairly easy. It's mm -hmm. not even remotely easy compared to the ones that are out there now. But um, client in the middle of the birth, it's like you know, just wanted to tell you your your website is terrible. <laughs> your it doesn't. You are really good your website doesn't reflect that. It's terrible. I'm like, okay. And I literally put like blood, sweat, and tears into this thing and thought, you know, for somebody who's, for somebody who's 40 and knows nothing about technology or anything like that, you know, I was pretty proud of it, but yeah, no. She goes, you need to not do that. So then when she had her second baby, um, I was using something, I was using the one she recommended and it was like, yeah, by the way, <laughs> I did I did take what you said to heart. And she was like in the industry, like she was, I'm not sure if she was in PR or something like that, but. Um, she was a designer or something or whatever. Yeah, I don't know, but she was definitely in the business and she was just like in the middle, like in between a contraction. Yeah, your website's terrible. <laughs> I just have to tell you just before the next contraction comes really quickly. Your website really, really sucks. Okay, and breathe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, anyways. A lot of uh, newer doulas who naturally are younger uh, know so much more about technology and how to maneuver not just websites, but all the social media things. They are on it. They're on top of it. And it takes me forever and a day to get anything half decent out. And um, it's so frustrating and so time consuming. If I ever were to have a successful business or have money, I would 100% pay somebody to do that because it, it is blood, sweat, and tears just to get something half decent posted or put out there. And, the social and media I, side of things is, it's fucking exhausting. 
it's exhausting and it changes constantly. There's no, there's this new thing. Now you've got to get, and in order to keep up, you have to keep up because everybody else is doing it because it comes so easy for them. Oh, what's this new TikTok thing? Oh, let me just look at it for five minutes. Got it. I immediately know how it works. And the next day, you, you're right in there with everybody else, putting all kinds of great things together. Meanwhile, I'm like questioning its very existence. Why is it even there? What is it about? <laughs> just short videos? What's the point of that? Does it disappear? Does it, what does it do? I don't understand. Because, I'm always- Because of those three words, know, like, trust, right? Yeah. Yep. Those, those are the yeah. three things. And it's like, I get it. I, I want to, I'm very, I don't mind putting necessarily some stuff out there, but I get a little bit, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily want to put myself out there because I have, I don't know, yeah. views, um, in that respect, but it's like, okay, well, I gotta, I guess do that. But since this whole pandemic thing started, I've, Fuck. I used to put something out every day. Now it's like, eh, whatever. Me too. Nope. Me too. Can't be bad. In there. Noon, I, noon rolls around and I'm like, okay, maybe tomorrow. That's another thing too. Like I, I do put personal things on there because no like trust, right? But I really struggle with it. And I don't know if other people struggle with it. That's been a, that's a good question to throw out to people. How much of your personal um life do you put out there on social media not just not just regularly like on facebook with your friends and family but i'm talking about for people who have business that they're conducting on social media like instagram or whatever how much of your personal and i know i see other doulas they're they're really showing all of their stuff are you comfortable with it or are you really pushing yourself to do it because i i do put personal stuff but not Sometimes I, I try to move into a little bit more personal and then I pull back because I get really self-conscious. And I'm wondering if that's also another age thing because it feels as if, it seems as if newer, younger doulas are much more comfortable putting all of themselves out there. And I see I'm not quite, and, and, I, and if I was, I know that that would make things happen easier. Like I'm, I'm putting like, oh, I'm walking my grandkids to school and I'm questioning that. Is that too much? Is that too personal? And that, and, and I'm compared to other people, it's nothing, nothing. Yeah. And other people are putting themselves out there. And I don't like, I don't want to put stuff about my kids out there. I don't, I mean, they don't want it either. Like, and, and yeah. they're, they're at an age where, you know, they that's their right. I don't want to, I don't want to infringe on that. Um, and then I'm like, Oh, like, do I show the front of my house? Cause I don't want, like, I don't know for me, yeah, I mean, it's I always up in the seventies and eighties. Right. We, I grew up in the era where, you know, you had to stop putting your name on the back of your shirt. So strangers would see you like that's who yeah. I grew up as. And doing all this and putting my own personal like life out there online. I don't know. I think that's well, why I do better getting clients from class because then they know me. I don't do well getting 
clients from social media because maybe because I'm not being that. Yes. That's what I, that's what I um, often uh, come to the conclusion of too. Also, it takes me a much longer time to, to get into the group. Like I'm, I had just started getting into Instagram when this all hit, like just started getting into um, how Instagram works and how, you know, how much you should be posting and blah, blah, blah. I had just kind of settled into that. Now everything's different. Now it's pandemic and we have to pivot and do this and pivot, pivot, Stephanie, pivot. And <laughs> it's not, I just, I'm sore it, from pivoting. I'm sore from, yeah, it takes me a long time to kind of say, oh, that's a new thing. Oh my God. Uh, I've got to pack up the old thing, start looking at the new thing, get used to it. I can't just dive into the new things that come up and they're coming up so fast. You know, yeah, I grew up in a time where people didn't know anything about you unless you told them. Unless you told them. So my next door neighbors who I never speak to hardly, um, probably know way more about my life because even though I don't speak to them, they are my Facebook friends. So when I post things on Facebook, they're like, oh, so how's this and that? And I'm like, how do you know that? Oh, it was on Facebook because I put it on Facebook and it feels a little bit jarring um, because I grew up in a time where nobody does it. If people knew you, they knew you. Otherwise, they don't know you at all. Now, people who don't know you at all know you. Yeah. And it's weird. And it's taking me a decade or so (laughs) to get used to that very, very different thing people putting on there like every single week this is what their belly looks like during pregnancy this is i don't even have their- pictures of me pregnant okay so i think i have two i have okay. one i was pregnant at halloween and i'm dressed like a pumpkin and i don't even know where that fucking picture is that's it i was pregnant three times and there are zero pictures of me pregnant yeah it's all just in my memory banks whatever it is but it's, it's such a different world. People who are growing up know how to keep that pace because that's the pace that they are, that they are just being raised in. But for those of us who were already old when all of this started, it's kind of it's hard. So I have no idea what to answer people when they ask about, oh, what's the best website platform and what's this and that? I'm just like, oh, next, next post. <laughs> scroll on by that so that's a good question stephanie i just don't have answers for people who ask those well, questions Suze, what platform is your your site on it's wix it is wix okay yeah. and i'm i'm i don't care what newfangled easier cheaper one i'm never leaving because yeah <laughs> you're in you're committed yeah i, I know how, how this one works <laughs> i barely know how that one works and uh, extricating myself feels like it would be disastrous. So I'm, I'm not, that's just where it's going to stay. If there are people who want to offer free website services to us because they love us so much, do it. Otherwise, it's just going to be that way. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Hmm. All right. What's our next question? So, so I, um, I did pick a question specifically when I scroll through the different groups that are on there the different doula gathering places 
on the internet, mostly Facebook. I see there are a lot of questions that start with, I have a client who is 27 weeks pregnant or whatever, and her doctor has said, blah, 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 blah. What can I tell her? So it might be, what can I tell her about induction? What can I, my, her doctor has told her that she's diagnosed with this or that, but he's recommended this. We all know that blah, 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 something that we doulas have special knowledge of that doctors don't or something. And what can I say to her? And then there's, there, there'll be two categories of answers. One, people who are giving her specific, almost medical advice to say, tell your client that you don't need to do blah, 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 and this is unnecessary and so on. And then other people who are saying, um, you shouldn't be saying anything at all. It's totally outside of your scope. That's, that's what, that's my, that gets my goat all the time. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes people misread the questions. People are maybe asking for information. For instance, my client was diagnosed with coleostasis. What in the world is that? And how can I best support her? That, that's fine. You want to know what the thing is and how you can best support your client through that. And that's fine. But then sometimes the response is people respond in such a way as to say, you shouldn't be offering anything, information, any advice to her, blah, blah, blah. And the person was not asking what kind of advice I can give her. They were literally asking for information. And then there has to be a whole discussion about the difference between information and advice. And that is what I find frustrating. We yeah, and then a hundred posts later, yeah, you're like, exactly. okay, everybody's saying like two different things. And this poor girl who, or this poor person who's asked this question is like, um, no I'm one just, answered my question. I'm just gonna Google that now because <laughs> you I have no fucking crazy. idea. <laughs> yeah. Good God. Um, I, I mean, skip over those. Sometimes there are people asking questions that straight up is, um, what kind of advice can I give them, or how can I change their mind about this? For instance, I read one maybe it was a couple of months ago about somebody who's having a dilemma because their client was planning on circumcising their baby and Lord help us all. Everybody came out of the woodwork. I could not believe how many comments there were. People were immediately jumped on their soapbox about the, the, um, the evils of circumcision and that was basically what the person was getting was being bombarded with with that and there were some voices of reason now I mean I, I was a little bit torn because I am one of those people who is anti-circumcision that's my personal feelings about it but guess what who the fuck cares about my personal feelings about it and why do you want to be a save this like question yourself about whether or not you're trying to save people and that is a huge issue I think in the doula community do you think that you are saving anybody by, by putting your ideas into other people's head? Giving information is one thing and um, steering people towards your way of thinking. There's a fine line. There really is. And there a lot really of is. Navigate that. I so know I... It is a I, fine line. I know I find myself... Um, like skirting a line between, you know, 
induction and stretch and sweeps and epidurals and things like that. And I, it takes a lot to try and navigate that without showing bias, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. And I think, and, and I think on Facebook and things like that, you know, when doulas are talking to other doulas or older doulas or more experienced doulas are talking to younger doulas, there is no filter for their bias. Like they just like vomit out everything that they think that's in their head. And that I don't think necessarily helps. I think when those questions are asked, it needs to be, you know, okay, you're, this is what's happening with your client. Have you asked them what they think? How do they feel about this particular thing? Okay. Yes. And if they are like, oh, I really don't want to do X, Y, Z. Okay. Let's find you some information so that you can do some research for your unbiased, scientific, evidence-based information. Not, well, I had a client once who did blah, blah, blah have this and then take this to your doctor and have that discussion. That's mm -hmm. what a doula is. In my opinion, that's what a doula is supposed to do. A doula isn't supposed to sway somebody from one side or the other or to save them um, from an induction mm -hmm. or anything like this. might be happening. Sorry? Yeah, or, or save them from anything that might be happening. Exactly. That's not our job. Uh, that's not our job. Our job is not to save people from their birth experience. I don't know who said that uh, at some point in my life as a doula, but our job is not to save them from their experience. Our job is to help them navigate that experience. Um, and I think that people, when you're answering questions on those doula forums, that you really need to, like if you feel that you have something to offer the person who asked a question, you need to be mindful of the, the hat that you put on when you're saying, when you're answering those kind of questions and realize that now the, now it's the same thing. So this newer doula is asking me a question about how do I do this? How do I deal with this situation with my client? Um, do you do the same thing to her that we're saying you shouldn't do to your clients, right? Because it is still a, a, an atmosphere of support, a relationship of support. You're asking me something because you're experienced at, the, at this and I have experience. So I'm not going to tell a new doula, this is what you should do. You should tell that woman that induction is bad or epidural is evil or whatever the, the situation is. Nope. How, what is your role with this client? Um, don't forget that support is what it's all about. And if it's information you're looking for, here's a good website to read with, with just plain information about whatever the situation is. And it might be good to offer clients that. I, I often say to my clients, how do you feel about that? Even if I'm screaming inside, ah! because I feel, <laughs> I hate it. I hate what that doctor has suggested. I hate it so much. How do you guys feel about that? And do you know how many times my clients say to me, we're cool with that. We're really good with that. We're fine with that. And then you Where know what? As their doula, you are now cool with it too. Yeah. So you now, your job is to calm your fire down that's inside of you. Because some people are compelled to bring some of that fire out because, because you're the savior, right? And now you've got to give them this. You, you say it's information. What you're actually trying to do 
is sway them. So the next question I ask is, okay, do you want some more information about that? Maybe looking at it from another perspective. If they say, no, we're good. We really trust our doctor. We love her. And she said that this and that and whatever. End of story. And that's hard. That's hard for somebody like me who, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not casting blame here. I'm the doula who feels like I'm saving everybody. I'm the doula who feels like I know everything. I'm the doula who wants all my clients to do everything my way. <laughs> but I also know in my head what the right way to do things is. And so I struggle with it and wrestle with it all the time. It doesn't come easily to me to just throw fire, throw water on the fires inside of me and just let my clients be. They want to, they're going to consent to uh, an induction that to me feels completely unnecessary. For example, the key thing is they have consented to it with yes. their with their own wide open. And now it's my job to pivot and back them up in what they in whatever decision that they have decided to make. Because I need to respect them as grown ass intelligent parents who are capable of making decisions for themselves, their birth experience and their child. Because it's not mine, it's not my experience. I'm there to support them. That's right. I think part of the problem too is, is that there's so many people, and I mean, maybe I'm making a massive generalization, but having, having taught doula trainings for like five years, there's so many people that get into being a doula because of the experiences they have and now feel that they need to save somebody from the experience that they had. But we have to remember that not everybody's experience is the same. Uh, yeah, exactly. So you've got doulas who who got into birth work because of their traumatic birth experiences. And so, the, yes, they need to save people from that trauma. Also, also, I will say this, this is, this is the other side and I'm on this side. People who had wonderful, amazing birth experiences. And so now it's my job to, to try to get you the experience that, the amazing experience that, that I had. So I need to help you move the, all the landmines that I consider landmines out of your way so that you can have the experience that I had. So it's either us trying to navigate people away from the experience we had or navigate them toward the experience that we had. And that's not our job. It took me a long time to come to the conclusion that it wasn't, my job wasn't to, you know, tell people what kind of birth experience to have. My job as a doula was to support the birth experience they wanted. Yeah. Yes. Or even not the experience they wanted, the one that they're going to end up with because of a set of circumstances that came up that might have derailed how they believed they wanted it. You know, help them move, maneuver through that and reframe it and add a different perspective to it and then look at, hey, look, we had to pivot how can we make this the best for you with this pivot yeah exactly because because despite you know you go in with this plan and despite that plan you know being even open and free and you know flexible and whatnot we still have to make sure that as they go through this experience that may not be what their original plan was that they feel supported that they have their questions answered that they feel like the decisions that are being made are their decisions as opposed to, like I say in class, not that their birth is happening to them, but that they are experiencing it. 
Correct. This is their day. This is their day, regardless. Yeah. And even if that experience is not what they wanted, if they are a part of that experience as opposed to that experience happening to them, because there's a big difference there, that, yeah. that goes a long way yeah. into how they'll remember this birth and how they'll recover from this birth. True story. Yeah, so that was my thing. I like that question. Or that general category. The general category. I do hope that people who have been on those feeds at the end of them, because I found that even if I've had an initial reaction to one of those questions, and then I temper myself, and then I go back and I look at everyone's answers, I find I'm not going to add anything to it. Because it's it's become this animal that didn't actually answer the question or where it did answer the question is hidden amongst the outrage. And it's just, okay, no one. And that person, I hope that kind of that person in that moment has realized this is not the forum for that question. This is where you need to go to a couple local trusted doulas to um, get a mentor, (laughs) a mentor, a mentor, you know, Um, it's, it's true. You get a question and there's like, 93 comments, 50 of them are really good advice, basically saying the exact same thing. And um, uh, the other 43 are, are off topic, people arguing, and you, the original asker of the question, has to navigate your way through all of that. Uh, it's, 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 it's disheartening and it's exhausting. So my, my advice in terms of these forums is to pick one two that's why remember i asked you stephanie how many you belong to yeah i didn't realize i think i'd silenced a couple of them that's why i wasn't thinking about them yeah um there's there's one of them that that i'm on that i think doesn't really serve my purpose first of all because they're not local and so i find it it feels it feels awkward to be talking about situations that happen very, very far away so I think I'm going to stick to local local ones or ones that are relevant to me and my life and my practice and then um, be really mindful about when I chip in and when I don't because there's so many voices. What's mine going to add? Some, yeah, at that sometimes point for sure. Yeah. So, so well, yeah. I've don't got a, I have got a question here that, I, that was applicable to now and although it, I was hoping to stay away from, I mean, the stressors of COVID in general. This was pretty reasonable question. Um, what will your doula practice look like on the other side of this? What has uh, what has this time shown you about yourself that you might want that has created a sense of wanting to practice differently? Oh God! Now you're talking about self-reflection. Uh. Fuck right. But we had every. There was two answers that I thought were interesting. I may not return to doula work. The time oh, away has shown me that being on call has been draining me much more than I ever realized. True. Um, that, I totally get that. Yeah. I haven't had serious thoughts like that, but if, I, I, I'd be lying if I did say that, hmm, this has uh, crossed my mind. What if, I just, what if I just did something completely different afterwards? Well, I told you last week that in the podcast last week, I'm good 
this way. <laughs> if I can, if I can just, you know, keep doing some digital stuff, I don't know if I want to go back. But I think I, I had already come to that conclusion way before this whole thing happened. I just needed this maybe to kick me in the pants to say, yeah, this is better. One of the yeah. other answers was, I'm not, I'm no longer going to feel bad about the idea of changing my initial consults and interviews to be over Zoom. It's efficient and I think I've mastered how to keep focused during those calls with my clients. 100. Well, that's a good point. Absolutely, I'm going to be doing that for sure. I had about four virtual interviews before the, before like the big, big lockdown. Um, and they were short, they were efficient. I didn't need to go outside. I didn't need to pay gas, parking, et cetera. And I didn't need to put on pants. <laughs> Why would I not do that? If it's, it's January, uh, it's minus whatever, and I have to go outside and scrape ice and snow off my car to drive downtown to pay for parking in somebody's fancy condo for uh, a half an hour, 40 minute uh, interview, and then drive back home again. Why would I do that? I am absolutely going to be saying my consults are held over Zoom. And just like you have your daytime hours, Steph, that's one yep. thing that I am absolutely changing in, in my um, in my practice. That sounds I'm good also to me. Offering some video things. Um, yesterday, I did a really nice virtual bath time support thing with my with my my very first and only postpartum um, virtual clients, and it worked out really well. Now, mind you, I had my daughter doing the recording while I was demonstrating how to bath the baby and they were following along with me with in their house. It worked really well. It was fun. Um, it was efficient. Uh, I was able to just watch them and wait for a little while and tell them, okay, it's okay if you roll her over, take her arm out from underneath her. Like I could actually see what they were doing and talk them through it. And they said that it was very, very helpful. And I thought it was fun. The only thing is technically if my daughter's not here, you know, I need a video GoPro. I need a GoPro. Oh, see, I don't know these things. So yeah, something like that would really help. So I might start incorporating that somehow. I just don't know exactly yet. I haven't thought it all the way through. Yeah. So yeah. So I know that we're, we're at an hour, but I did have one other question that came up that I thought was pretty good too. Um, mm -hmm. What ways besides touch can you help your client in labor? This was obviously someone is trying to quantify online support. Like I think what they're trying to do is to find the things that they can do in virtual support right now, because obviously we're not there to do touch. So, yes. and a lot, a lot of people came back with a great way to communicate this to people. So here's what was offered up. Offering direction to, in the use of, the heating pad, a hot shower, taking a bath with your chosen oils, using your birth ball and using encouraging words, encouraging them to go for a walk, squatting, and use of your TENS machine. Um, and then with the client directly, breathing alongside them to reestablish their rhythm. You know, sometimes when your client is moving through something that's a bit more intense and they start getting really shallow with their breathing or panicky, 
you know, yeah. being able to breathe alongside them, low moan with them on online. Yeah. And then of course you're offering a different perspective to some information that might've come up with and validation of how they might be feeling overwhelmed right now. So yeah. I thought that all of those were great answers to how we maintain value in a digital doula capacity in an online capacity with our clients. Because I find too that even when we're there in, per in person, often it is you can recognize when your client's starting to feel a little bit stuck with what they're doing, getting overwhelmed in the position they're in. And often it's just something as simple as saying, you know what, we're going to do the next one sitting on the ball. Or why don't we, you know, move over to hands and knees right now? So doing that, even if it is over Zoom or over FaceTime, it, it, we're doing the same thing. We're just not kind of physically assisting with it but we are giving that trigger to there's something you can do about how you're feeling right now. But then also encouraging the support person, either the partner or somebody else that is going to be there with them to actually practice this stuff ahead of time. Like don't, For sure. don't be, you know, suddenly, okay, yeah, I'm going to give you a massage. Okay. But you don't even know like what the pressure that they like. You don't know, you know, that they don't like it when you touch them down here. You know, that's why, that's why when we talked last week, you know, a lot of this stuff has to come prior to the actual really? labor even starting. Yes. Birth, birth preparation has always been important or birth planning, whatever you want to call it, birth intention planning has always been important, but I think it's even more important now if, if, you know, you might be tempted in a, in an in-person dual support situation might be tempted to kind of gloss over that because you figure I'm going to be there and yep. I'll be able to guide them through it because I'm going to be there. Um, well, now if you're not going to actually be the person preparing people prenatally is so much more important now, uh, not only with the comfort measures and birth stuff, but also with, I mean, the hospital's going to take care of a lot of it, but you also need to be mindful too about infection prevention control things are you going to wear a mask do you have to wear a mask are you going to be made to wear a mask and what's that going to be like and so doing some of that research yourself about what what it's like to give birth in a hospital in these times for people what sorts of things are the hospital asking people to do and i'm not talking about whether the hospital is having support people or not i'm talking about let's just assume there's a birthing person and a support person there what are they going? To, what are the restrictions that the hospital is going to be placing on them, and how are these birthing people going to maneuver that and navigate their way around that? So, for instance, if you do have to wear a mask, oh God, it's so claustrophobic for so many people. Absolutely. Can you take it off for a few minutes? Can you work that into your plan? Work that into your routine that every hour you're going to go into the bathroom just. So that by yourself, just so you can take your mask off and breathe a little bit, like if those kind of things that um, not only because we can't be there in person, but also specifically to speaking to the times that we're in, birthing in an institution where there's this the threat of this virus looming. So, but I was yeah. even saying to my client that I had a a prenatal with earlier this week that, you know, to the partner, look, in fact, a lot of it was directed at him. It's like, look, when the nurse comes in, you go to the bathroom. 
you grab something, you make sure that the snacks you have and whatnot are something you can just shove in your face and then get back to it. Like, because before it would have been, well, I'm here, you go to the bathroom, you go get something to eat, you go take yeah. a breather because I'm here. But now it's like every time that nurse comes in, you know, which may not be, you know, for 45 minutes or half an hour, things like that. Now you have to go to the bathroom right now and you don't feel guilty about it. You go because if you're not looking after yourself, now everybody's looking after you too. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Almost so, like we have to have a little mini doula session just for the partner to teach them how to be a doula. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, We're Steph, awesome. do you want to, do you have your birth story? Do you want to go through that or do you have anything else to add? No, I think that was a great chat. I like uh, all of this follow-up on the questions that people are asking these days. And I do have this birth story ready to rock. Let me just take a sip of water. No, not allowed. Your dry throat. Yes. All right. So this story comes to us from the U.S. Um... You're going to hear through this birth story, he and she, because he, it is a, uh, per, the birthing person identifies as she, and she has a male partner. So here we go. Here we go. It starts kind of midway because there, there's a long preemptive story in her journey through P, PCOS and becoming pregnant and how the challenges of that. But it does end up with quite a surprising pregnancy that they were told they would not have. But so here we go. August came and we had our first prenatal and ultrasound. It was incredible to see our tiny strawberry-sized jelly bean on the screen. Brandon and I were absolutely over the moon. Each month, they were okay with me using names as well. Uh, each month after came more appointments, more blood draws, never an issue in sight. And our daughter, Marin, was as healthy as an ox the entire pregnancy. <laughs> at my 20, at my, yeah, that's a healthy ox. At my 25th appointment, or 25th week appointment, it came time to discuss birth control for after delivery and the upcoming standardized glucose test. After bringing me into the room, the first words out of the nurse's mouth were, so let's talk sterilization. <laughs> I was so taken aback. I assumed she was talking about cleaning. <laughs> I mean, I'm 26 years old and the time having an uncomplicated pregnancy with my first baby, I was pretty sure I wanted at least one more. Long story short, the clinic asked me several times if I'd like to decline sterilization after delivery. Um, during the same visit, I was also told about the standard glucose test. I told the doctor that I chose uh, to use fruit juice instead. The doctor proceeded to tell me that I did not have that option, which I know is a lie, <laughs> and that the glucose mixture was simply corn syrup. In any case, she gets into a whole thing about there's content in it that she knows doesn't react well with her. And it took a lot of advocacy for her to get the alternative to it, which was testing her own blood sugars over a couple weeks. Let's see. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead here, guys. We moved ahead with midwifery care at this point. We decided to move forward with a home birth as well. I saw our midwife at home at about twice a month at first and then gradually increasing to once a week. Because Marin uh, was measuring a little bit bigger than average. Oh, hold on. Oh shit, hold on, it just closed. 
Kim, you're going to have to do some cutting. Sorry, there's no editing. It's... I saw our midwife. Okay. Hold on. Sorry, this is jumping all around. It keeps closing on me. Fucking technology. <sighs> this is why I print things. <laughs> During this time, currently there's a global pandemic happening. On March 20th, 2020, the city we live in ended, their, um, ended up in their first case of COVID-19, and the number has been actively climbing ever since. At this point, my midwife no longer felt like it was safe or necessary to have me continue to work and risk my, my health or my daughter's as I work with dirty money all day. I, I want to know. I do. Policies mm -hmm. were and continue to rapidly change throughout our essential business and things are super hectic with stress piled a mile high. The day before our due date, we had our last prenatal visit with our midwife. We attempted a membrane sweep, but unfortunately I wasn't dial dilated enough for it to be effective. Aside from some intermittent Braxton Hicks contractions, I felt no different. Nothing was going to get Marin out of there. At 40 plus three came around and the corner and my midwife ended up needing to transfer my care to the family practice. I had a virtual visit with him over Zoom meeting webinar due to the COVID virus. He was very nice man and was happy to quote, allow me to be the captain of my own ship. I appreciated the fact that he knew that my views were extremely unconventional and also mega important to me for my daughter's health, safety and well-being. I called the hospital to check on their current policy for labor and delivery visitors, and we were informed that I could only have one support person for the duration of my stay. It was one of the most difficult decisions we came to in order to have our daughter. To give birth with our doula as my support, as she is knowledgeable, experienced, and a wealth of support and help, especially during a time like this. As well, making the decision to take that away from my husband where he wouldn't be able to see his daughter for up to days. I couldn't bear to do that. Every living piece of me was screaming that I could not deliver in the hospital. I needed my husband to be with me. I needed my doula for support. I discussed it with Brandon and my doula. Brandon had a really hard time coming to terms with attempting an unassisted birth, but he understood my fears and took them into consideration. I couldn't Ooh. be more grateful to him for his grace at doing what I felt was best. He didn't downplay my intuition, and although he was absolutely terrified, he agreed that we could do it. A few days later, I received a phone call about another midwife who was willing to look at my case and be at our birth. We were ecstatic, such an answered prayer. We reviewed my records and visited on the phone. My new midwife decided she would like to take us on. In our state, midwives are only allowed to legally assist in home birth up to 42 weeks gestation. At that point, I was 41 and four. So pregnant, <laughs> so time was closing in. On, four, on April 10th at 41 plus six, midwife sent me a text asking how I would feel about naturally inducing. I was huge, uncomfortable, and desperate. Man, I can relate to that. There was also a pretty gnarly storm heading our way in the next 24 hours. The midwife and her assistant lived two hours away, so they hit the road heading to our house. In the meantime, I made a milkshake, which I'm not going to, I'm not going to change what was share what was in there because it's fucking disgusting. Um, I called my mom <laughs> and my doula and both got here around 11 a.m. We decided to go for a walk and wait for the midwife to show. So I find this really interesting because of, I'm just an aside here. There's no labor yet. They're talking about doing a, a natural induction. Um, and the doula and the mom are showing up before there's any labor. So I don't know what type of storm is heading their way, but uh, yeah. I find yeah. it 
that's really interesting and really unique because I don't know any doula who's going before the labor is starting unless there's like a medical induction where like the risk factors are changing and uh, anyhow um, I know that for me that wouldn't be a decision I would make before labor was rolling but have you never gone and then left and then come back yeah. No, I know some doulas do, like when they're getting set up at the hospital and stuff like that, and then they leave and they come back later. That's not my thing. I talk people through what to expect when they go for their induction um, and I'll call with any questions that come up. You don't go just for the sake of going early. Uh, it's happened where I've gone and it's, it's just been not time and then left and come back. I've never gone just because, oh, just to see how they're doing throughout the beginning and then left and come back. No, I've never, I don't do that. But I have by mistake gone too early, left and then come back. Yes. Yes, that's happened to me as well. Um, let's see. My midwife gave me a couple herbal tinctures to start labor and then left for a couple hours to let them begin to work. She came back a few hours later and things were slowly moving along. We decided to do a membrane sweep and that really kicked things into high gear. Everything became more intense and regular. At around 9 p.m., I went to the bathroom to urinate and came back to wash my hands. And as I was standing by the sink, my water broke. Labor was really moving steadily at that point, and I was in quite a bit of pain. I got the birthing pool set up and started to ready everything for the next stage. My midwife was very hands-off and would occasionally come over and check my temperature, blood pressure, pulse, and listen to Marin. Everything seemed to be going well. Since my water broke at 9 p.m. on Friday night, we were on a time crunch again. In our state, midwives can only legally assist in a delivery up to 24 hours after the rupture of waters unless given, unless given that the pushing stage has already begun. At uh, 6 a.m., the midwife checked my cervix for dilation and I was hovering around 5 to 6. I had been awake for 22 hours at this point and been laboring for 18 to 19 of it. I was bagged. I was exhausted. Brennan and I decided to see if we could lay down and get some rest between the contractions. It wasn't easy and we were able to snuggle for a few minutes here and there while dealing with these intense surges of pain and sensation. A couple hours had passed and we had to get up and move around. My doula, mom and I went for a walk and bounced on the ball. My midwife checked my cervix again around 10 a.m. and I was a six. She cautioned that if I didn't dilate soon that we'd have to transfer to hospital because she wanted me to have a shot at a vaginal birth and have time for Pitocin to kick in at the hospital. She was worried that I was teetering on the brink of exhaustion as I wasn't able to eat or drink anything the whole time. Anything I took in, including just sips of water, came right back up with the next contraction. Again, terrified and feeling stalled out, I felt like I couldn't take it anymore. We did another round of herbal tinctures, bounced on the ball, and more. During the last walk, I could barely take three steps without needing to stop. This was transition. I had absolutely no idea. Around 2 or 3 p.m., my midwife came in and informed us that this just wasn't happening. The body wasn't progressing. She didn't think we were going to be able to have this baby at home and needed to strongly think about heading to the hospital. She offered to check my cervix one more time because the labor and delivery team at the hospital was going to check me as well. I wanted to avoid too many unnecessary checks. I declined and decided to shower and get ready to head to the hospital. I felt at an all-time low, like an absolute failure of a mom and the complete opposite of everything I stand for. I couldn't stop replaying the horrific feelings in my head about not having Brandon by my side and being forced on Pitocin, just dealing with the hospital environment altogether. 
but at around 5.30 p.m., we arrived at the hospital. I gave Brandon hugs and kisses while feeling absolute worst I've ever felt. My doula and I headed inside. Now, I'll put in aside here that there's stuff that comes up ahead that is not common for doula behavior. So just you're probably going to hear something that might surprise you. Okay. Uh, yeah. We got checked into labor and delivery, got all hooked up to the monitors, and tried to settle in. When I was being checked, it was in the right, it was right at shift change, so everything was a bit chaotic. I had four different people check my cervix. I was 100% of ACE and dilated to 10, and Marin was at plus one station. We were so close to being able to push. I didn't need the Pitocin to kickstart labor into higher gear. Things were so, sort of looking up, and I was still extremely disappointed and upset to be away from my husband. Then the shift happened. One of the doctors came in to offer me IV antibiotics because that's their standard of care since I was in labor for so long after my water had already broken. I declined. He insisted. I declined again. He basically dropped it because I wasn't budging. Then they sent the next doctor in, and she was uh, going over the standard of care along with my birth plan. I explained that I would not consent to Pitocin after delivery unless there was a medical need, at which time I'd be completely open to it should something arise. She told me that I wasn't allowed to decline. I explained <laughs> <laughs> that I knew what my rights were and I would be declining. She argued and then brought in several different nurses, doctors to try and get me. <laughs> we all know where this is going. They told me that I would be forced to stay for 48 hours after delivery if I didn't agree. I told them I wouldn't be doing that either and I would sign an, an AMA document if need be. The doctor then said, what if I told you you can't? <laughs> This is almost, she is 10 centimeters plus one station. Oh my goodness. Um, I explained to her that she wasn't allowed to tell me what I can or can't do. And she's allowed to give her opinion and recommendation, which I'm willing to listen to, but that I'd make my own decision. Several times back and forth, bringing in different people to stand over me while I'm laboring, arms crossed and attempting to intimidate me. They then told me that I didn't have to give into their standard of care that if I didn't give in to their standard of care, they would put a hold on my daughter and take medical custody. My doula at that oh, point, Jesus apparently this doula had had enough, Christ. being the only person there, said, do you mean like medical kidnapping? So you're saying we should first speak with a lawyer or the patient advocate? The doctor replied with, you can do whatever you want, but because of the state of the nation right now, we will take her and you will not be able to sign her out. Then the charge nurse piped in with, if you're not going to consent to what we tell you, then you might as well go home because we're going to do our job anyway. Back and forth, round and round, we went through this. I informed them of my right to consent, of my bodily autonomy. They declined any and all of my rights to my body and to my daughter. My this doula is like then. Scenario. Pardon me? This is like the worst case scenario. Um, to take your baby away from you if you don't do what you're told. Um, I will also point out that this was a woman of color, so it's not completely uncommon down south of the border there for that to happen. Oh, for mm -hmm. fuck's it, sake. It's horrible to say, but when you put, as soon as I say that, it's like, oh, okay. Oh, well, now it all makes sense. Now it all makes sense. Yep. Um, my, after chatting, my, do, my doula then advocated for my decision for them to round up the d discharge papers because we were out of there. She took the cords out of the monitors, helped me get everything off and my clothes on. 
The doctor came back in and joked sarcastically that we were at the nurse's station laughing about my situation and thought it would be just hilarious if I went home and delivered my child with no issues whatsoever. I signed the against medical advice document, even though the charge nurse specifically told me to just go home if I was going to stick to my guns, which completely null and voids the purpose of the document. And so we left. We were only wow. at the hospital for approximately an hour and a half, but it Wait. felt like eternity. Sorry. She got up and walked out of the hospital at 10 centimeters plus one. Yes. Fuck. Um, but yeah. I wonder if it's like a cat situation and when you feel stressed, everything starts to get well, sucked yeah. back up a little bit. Yeah. You know? Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, good honor, but holy shit. So we were only, uh, where was I? Only at the hospital for an hour and a half, but it felt like an eternity. I could not wait to get home. My doula and I were in complete shock over the entire experience. When we got to her Jeep, my contractions were getting a little more intense, and I was just ready to be back at home in my husband's arms and have this baby. We pulled into my driveway around 6.35 p.m., and everything felt so much better, at peace, at ease, and ready to progress into these final stages. I stripped off my clothes and got in my birth pool. My doula coached me through some intense contractions and helped me listen to my body's cues on how and when to push. I was feeling everything in my hips and tailbone. It was the most intense sensation I've ever been through. I kept begging Brandon to apply pressure to the area, but after doing some Googling, my support showed me that I should, we shouldn't be doing it anymore because it was actually stopping Marin from descending. I labored in the pool for a bit. Every two contractions would switch to a different position. After 12, I got out and went to the bedroom to labor Marin down in bed, and that's when the pushing reflex started, fetal ejection reflex. I did my best to just bear down and work, work her down and out. We began in the bed, got up again, and went to the kitchen. Next to the sink, and my mom and Brandon took turns being my support on either side of the counter. I would hold on to, to their hands and just squat down and push. Time was just blending together. Eventually, out popped Marin's head, completely covered in meconium, meconium, and it was squirting out her nose. The cord was wrapped around her, the cord got flipped up over her head a couple times so she could be delivered, and with a couple more pushes, the rest of Marin was out. She was limp. My support team wrapped her in a towel and began vigorously rubbing her. Finally, I heard a little voice after we frantically searched for the suction and got her breathing. It was such a relief and the most beautiful sound I've ever heard. I waited for my placenta to be delivered. Marin and I got into the birth pool and quickly began. I quickly began to bleed. My doula fed me eight or nine or 10 dates, fixed me some tea, and I started to get Marin to latch to stimulate my uterus to contract. I could feel large blood clots making their way out into the water. No more than 15 minutes had passed and my placenta came out with one decent contraction. I grabbed it out of the water, tossed it to my doula, and my mom took Marin so I could get out of the pool to get dried off and the blood cleaned off. Brandon, Marin, and I went to the bedroom and cuddled together for a while after about an hour of Marin being connected to the placenta, and Brandon cut the cord. The next day, our original midwife came to the house to examine both Marin and I. Marin passed her APCAR test with flying colors, although I think next day you can't really do APCAR tests. No. Um, my uterus was contracting exactly the way it needed to be, and surprisingly, I didn't have a tear or a rip. My bleeding mm -hmm. even tapered off to basically nothing overnight. Marin was starting to get better and better at latching, and two days after her birthing day, we had another appointment with the midwife. Marin passed her newborn screening. All in all, our sweet rainbow baby is here. She is healthy, and I'm still just relishing the surreal experience. 
So many moments to remember, and I'll never forget the way she makes me feel. Being her mama is everything to me. She is my beautiful rainbow baby after so many storms, and I will do everything in my power to keep her safe. Mama loves you, Marin Cedar. We went through hell and back to get you here, and I hope you know how much you mean to us. And that is the birth of Marin. Marin Cedar. That was wow. good. Great story. Thank you to the, did she say her name or is she anonymous? Um, oh, I didn't grab her name from the top of the picture. No, I didn't pick the, I, I cut off her name, but she is from the home, a home birth group that I, I belong to. Um, and she, yeah, she had been diagnosed early on with PCOS and was given a lot of um, information that wasn't encouraging and that she shouldn't have babies herself and that she should just consider adoption if she's going to. So there's like a lot of discouragement from the beginning about her want to be a parent. So yeah. this was a, the end of a very long journey of self-advocacy to get quality care for herself. Wow. Uh -huh. Yeah. That was a fantastic thing. That's, that's great. I love it. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Whoever you are, and I'm, I'm glad sure. that she, I mean, I'm glad that she self-advocated. And this was less about the role of the doula at the birth, because I know we often tell birth stories that involve doulas and stuff, but it's so much about what, what people are experiencing and the decisions they're having to make and how they can come through and this can be a good day and it can be a huge day of learning. Like our birthing day is always a huge day of learning for ourselves. But, uh, but yeah, I thought yeah. it was really beautiful how she she knew things about herself in mm -hmm. order to help her make the decisions she did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Love it. Oh, so what's everybody else doing for the rest of the day? Well, I started crocheting. So I'm going to crochet a little bit and listen to my favorite murder because today's Thursday. Uh, then I might eat something. <laughs> and um, the rest of the day is just a fog. <laughs> I gotta I go know. to the grocery store. Oh, is today the day, Kim? It's the once a week attempt. Yeah, I don't need much. I just need I need milk and bread and stuff. I don't need a whole lot. You know what I've found to be true lately? So Roger was doing the run and he went to a large common grocery store, like a he went to Highland, but we often go to um, Great Canadian Superstore. But every time we go, there's no eggs. And yes. almost all oh the milk God. is gone. Yes. But everybody's baking. <laughs> when I've there's done no the eggs, there's shopping. no flour. Yeah. There's no sugar. But when I go to my local corner grocery store, not the Longos, but when I walk over to the Food Basics, and there's usually a, a short line, and I have to wait because they're only letting 10 to 15 people in the store at a time. But there's always been eggs, and there's always been bread products, and there's always been, I mean, it doesn't have the big selection, like of the fresh bakery and stuff like that, but I, I'm always able to get what I need. So Not I, me. I've come home lots of times without stuff because they didn't have um, milk, milk, eggs, flour, yeah, those things I've, that I've come home without having more than once. Yeah, I had to get homogenized milk last week. I mean, God, we're all going to be roly-polying around. I might as well be oh, drinking cream. That's all I use. I only use homogenized milk. Yeah. We use 1%, so this is a huge difference oh. for us. Oh, the tea must taste delicious now with 
with three percent. It's like coffee. Oh God, one percent milk. No. Um, but yeah, eggs. Eggs has been a real issue. We, we've it's hit yes. with eggs. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, my ladies. It's been awesome. Thank you so much, people. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you tell, next And week. tell your friends because our numbers are shit. <laughs> That's okay, though. You do you. No, it's not. Tell your fucking friends. What the hell, man? <laughs> Don't tell people not to tell people. I shouldn't yell at you because you're listening. But Yes, what? not you. But like spreading the word to other people. Come on. Um, and can I just say... Did you see Sam today posted about a different podcast? I feel cheated on. <laughs> Sam super fan. Sam the super fan. Sam the super fan is no apparently no longer a super fan. She's putting her, her super fan status at risk here. Yes. We're going to have to call her. Maybe we're going to have to Zoom with her next week. We're going to have to Zoom her in and have a talk with Sam. We already have a guest for next week. Ah. Oh. Well, we Sam do. Have we to wait. Do. Yeah, we do. We have a guest for next week. So there you go. Maybe we need a mini soda in the middle of the week just to address the Sam issue. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, we're coming for you. Because we're not doing anything anyways, but sitting on our ass growing our gardens. All right. Well, maybe I need to just send her some corny donuts. <laughs> All right. All right. Cookies. That's what I'm gonna go do. Okay. All right. Enjoy the enjoy the rest of your pandemic. Have, makes the granny squares. Aren't they nice? Ooh, yes. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Bye.